by the way, yeah. but Mister was doing the best calendar, like pinup girl pose over here. <laughs> of just like one arm was out, his other arm was up here, and he was kind of looking, like looking. His, I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> Robbie, like one of the French girls. <laughs> That's very droopy. It's Meryl Streep could have nailed that voice. <laughs> she could have. Meryl Streep is Mister. Like it was cat ears, and she wore like a fat cat suit. <laughs> and she'll go. <laughs> yeah. The reviews will be stellar. Yeah, yeah. It'll be, it'll be her most triumphant performance to date. Yes, absolutely. Uh, when, oh my god, when when she licked her asshole, <laughs> I wept. I can't touch candy cut and razor blade. I am your host, Bob. Um, I also never died. And here are my co-hosts, Alex and Andy. Hi, this is Alex, and there is no joke I could do after that because everything I say is funnier. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Andy, and I'm a liar! Yeah, I am a liar! (laughs) (laughs) That probably clipped the fuck out of all three of our microphones. Oh, my God. Uh, Actually, not that bad. So anyway, today we are talking about the Henry Rollins. I don't. I don't want to know what to call it. The film. It can be a classic. It's a movie. It is a classic. It's actually Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins' first uh, lead actor. How many star vehicles does Henry Rollins have? Right. Well, besides, um, this is the one. He's he's been in a lot of movies, but this is the only time he's ever star vehicle. Yeah, this is really the only one. Yeah. Yeah. So if this is a star vehicle, it's like a gremlin with half its wheels falling off. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Alpha Centauri Seven. So he never died. Tell us why you chose this movie, Andy. I needed to think of something fast, and it was on Netflix. No, wait. (laughs) Clean take. We'll try a clean take on something else. um, I've actually seen it before. Um, I kind of like Henry Rollins, and anybody who's actually paid any attention to like my patterns of speech and has heard Rollins do his like stand-up spoken word stuff, I've kind of swiped a lot of his affectations. And so you have the same like eyebrow profile he does. Yeah, a little bit. Definitely that that resting serial killer face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, totally got that. I'm um, just like looking at Henry Rollins. But I've been a fan of him for a long time. Like I've just I've absorbed an awful lot of his material over the years. Read a couple of his books. Listened to surprisingly little of his music. Uh, not because his his bands are, his band I mean, is I like Black Flag. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know anything about his music. Black Flag, honestly, was at their best when they when their sense of humor was evident. Like exactly, I'm I am more TV party Black Flag than I am Rise Above Black Flag. Right. You know? So and like Rollins band, that he always has had these amazing musicians, and then uh, lyrically, like those songs didn't do much for me because <laughs> it was basically just Henry. Well, his big hit was Liar. He was basically I'm talking over the music. Yeah. I'm screaming! Yeah! You know, it's it, it's, it's amusing, but I, not something I need to uh, expose myself to a lot of. And he's much better as a talker. He is, and he's been a very good ally to the gay community. Yes. He ruffles the occasional feathers. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. that's just him. He's yeah. a he is a very opinionated white cisgender dude. He's also... God. But he also understands that. Yeah, and he yeah. usually, he generally 
owns up to it that yeah. there yeah. he has his own biases but yeah. he's been you know a part of the community for, in some ways just from back in the very beginning before black flag when he was in the punk scene yeah and he just was around nothing but gay people yeah. because that's who was in the scene at the time right in to LA. a large degree um yeah and even in maybe less so in dc because he's actually originally from D.C. Well, he, mostly um, he was on RuPaul's podcast. Oh, that's right. So okay. I listened to All like right. an hour and a half of him waxing about this. Right and he he moved to L.A. at a pretty moderate age, like in his mid-teens-ish. He, he, was, he, was, he was out of high school, um, and he had been in a band in D.C. that it wasn't like they never recorded. They didn't yeah. do much. And then like Black Flag had already been established. And okay. I guess uh, he tried out for them and he was, they were just like, this guy's insane. Would you like to be our new singer? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and there were actually persistent rumors for a very long time that um, Henry was himself gay. Yeah. He would have been a good addition to our that community. Made me happy. Well, here, let me show. And actually, if you haven't seen the photos, I'm going to interrupt for a minute. Oh, young Henry Rollins. Well, yeah. Uh, Black flag era, Henry Rollins. You need to see how he performed and what he looked like. Oh, would that help the, uh, the image? It would explain does he married or does no. he, he had any big profile relationship? No. Maybe he is gay. He just hasn't. I do not believe I'm he pretty is. sure he's probably ace. No, no, he is not. Uh, well, he's he also is, a musician, so. He is absolutely not asexual. Uh, he is also. Uh, Maybe he's demisexual. Maybe. I would argue probably not. He's just not. A, he is not relationship material. Well, there's that too. But basically, he would perform barefoot, oh. bare-chested, wearing nothing but a pair of shorts. Yeah. That's fine. And with, like, I'm, long hair and his muscles everywhere and just, like, sweating all over everybody. And I'm uh, sure there are so many people that are still unwashed because of that. Well, it's been my face quite again. a few years. Henry Rollins sweat on me. I'll never wash my face again. Yeah, I don't think he was quite that well-beloved. Probably um, not. It just like punk, especially hardcore punk, just didn't really. It doesn't didn't, foster that sort. It does of not thing, lend really. itself to that kind of hero worship. That is, in fact, the whole point. Right. Um, Please, I'm going to be as unlikable to you. Well, actually, it's not even that. It's, it's possible. It's, um, the 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 driving force behind it is like, why aren't you up here doing this? That's, yeah, that's you really, can like me, give or take. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like um, like when uh, Mike Watt from the Minutemen gets done. Pretty much, he ends every gig by screaming, "Start your own band," because that's that's just the whole point. Like that's right. Anybody is supposed to be able to get up and do that. Um, and Henry really can't sing. And he was a vocalist for right. well over 10, 20 years. He was something. And, and yeah, he's, he did does he a lot of... Did he a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race at some point? He did a guest spot. Did he? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, he just went on once, did one episode. Yeah. A lot of people do that. He does, yeah. uh, he does voice acting all mm -hmm. over the place. Yeah. He's, yeah. You know, um, he's a great voice actor. He has a good voice. He's a good yeah. solid. I don't yeah. know if he could do anything else, like, other than just be... Yeah. But no, I, I actually enjoy watching Henry Rollins act. He's a good actor. You know, he knows what he's doing. He's got a his own particular oeuvre. He, he's best doing certain things. I think yeah. he's pretty good as a voice actor. And honestly, the guy on his own is, has a lot of charisma and he's very engaging. Yeah. Uh, when he does his like spoken word shows, they're always funny as shit. And he's right. really self-deprecating and really a lot of fun. Yeah, he is. So he actually, his acting through this whole movie reminds me of everything I hate about Keanu Reeves acting through all three Matrix movies. Except yeah. it looks completely intentional. You know, he did it on purpose. Right. Like, he definitely made acting choices and did real yeah. things for this yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. But it seriously is, if you compare the performances, I'm like, yeah, everything I didn't like about Keanu Reeves in those movies... Um, Henry Rollins is utilizing that to make entertainment right, right now. Yeah. I think, this is, I think <laughs> this is a movie that um, 
that they did a really good well it was he was he was perfectly cast in this oh yeah and well, they did a really good job using what happens when you're the producer and you know yeah i didn't realize he actually produced yeah. it oh yeah <laughs> and we, if i had done the deeds i could have figured that out <laughs> and we will get to them yeah. uh, i feel like they i feel like they used his um they used his personality they kind of weaponized his personality a little bit because a lot of the mm-hmm. mannerisms that make uh, the character of Jack so interesting are things that Henry Rollins is just kind of that way anyway. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just being very taciturn and very polite in mm-hmm. in a very, in, in this, in the movie, it's in a very narrowly defined sense. Yeah, because, it is. Yes. Um, um, but we'll, we'll get into that. So um, it, it, It's almost like, the the Asperger's version. Yeah, I was going to say he is this in this character. If you know, you don't have context for what his life must have been like. Right. is the most like high functioning autistic person. Like oh, totally. he is doing a great job living life, and but we he were is so proud of him. Yeah, and, but he is so <laughs> not interested in other people's emotions or existence right. beyond like how they affect him. Exactly. Which there's nothing wrong with that. And how, and how they affect him is almost universally negatively. Yeah, because. Well, I, well, well, there's only there's only the one character I think that actually improves his life any, and he has uh, no concept of how to deal with her. Well, I think the right. thing the thing that's that's going on, especially in the first part of the movie, I promise I will get the deets um, eventually. Uh, what is going on with him in the first part of the movie is he is so tightly controlled. Yeah, mm-hmm. like all of his focus is based around that. If he relinquishes this tight control over himself for a second, he's going to relapse. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and that's why he doesn't like to be around people because when people talk to him, he has to pay attention to that. Yeah. And so he tends to just like, when he has conversations, the conversations that he has, you can almost see the wheels turning in his mind. What is the thing that I can say that will bring this conversation to a satisfactory conclusion as quickly as possible? Yes. Yeah, he doesn't care. He's not worried about winning any arguments. Exactly. He's not worried about being the idiot. He will be the idiot of every situation. Right. He's like, I just want to get out. And Whatever I have to do to get out. And that is every conversation that I have with a stranger out in the real world. It's exactly like that. It's like, what can I say that is going to make you go away I am, of your own free will? I'm no good at figuring that out because the weird the weird people just find me. Yeah. I can't yeah. lie. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Yeah. <laughs> and, and my favorite my favorite mannerism that he has, and I've actually adopted it for a while, and I'm probably gonna pick it back up again. <laughs> When somebody when somebody drops a declarative statement on him that is meant to be like a leading statement, like yeah. it's supposed to, like you know how you're supposed to respond to that. He doesn't. He just sort of looks at them and says, "Okay." Yeah. No. I, so, so funny story. That's totally me. Yeah. <laughs> that is a hundred percent me. Yeah. Especially if I am in any way annoyed with you. If you drop like leading declarative statements, I'm just like, yeah. good. Glad you spoke. Yeah. And Next. when um, <laughs> and when the uh, the mooks, these two mooks, are like, 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 why don't you come and take a little ride with us? And he's like, I'm good here. <laughs> I know, I love that. <laughs> because he just he's he he's just very chill, low key. Because he or, has to be. Because... Um, Drax the Destroyer. He's yes. very literal about a lot of things. Yeah. And later in the film, he loses that for for dramatic reasons. Well, oh yeah. Um, go ahead and start us on the details. Deets. And yes. Then we can we can discuss all of this as we go. Dear through. God. Yeah. Um. He Never Died, 2015, uh, written and directed by Jason Krawczyk. I have heard of literally nothing that he's ever done apart from this. I don't know that there is anything else. Oh, I, I, I had it pulled up specifically to look. And I didn't have, uh, I didn't check. Failing miserably right yeah. now. Hmm. Starring Henry Rollins, Boo Boo Stewart, um, who played uh, Thunderbird or not Thunderbird, but like Thunderbird's brother or whatever in X-Men Days of Future yep. Past. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, he was also in the Twilight movies, by the way. Fuck you, Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> um, Jordan uh, Torosi, who I don't remember what she was in. I I know I looked her up. She was Santa in- Baby. What? She was in a movie called Santa Baby. Fuck and she was in The Pacifier my. with Vin Diesel. Oh, oh gosh. Show me a picture of her. Um, I wish I could. This is her IMDb photo. It looks like her dad coaching two girls on how to yes. dance. Oh, my God. Kill her. Kill her <laughs> yeah. now. Okay. She's actually quite nice. She's good in this. Uh, and uh, the other person... Is that of, the daughter? Yes. Okay. Um, the other person of note is Don Franks, uh, who uh, is the man with the goatee. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very... Oh, heavy well, metal. He was. And rock and rule. The guy was a very accomplished jazz musician and voice actor. And Johnny Mnemonic. I, Any I've anything animated that. in the '80s, he was on it. Garbage Pail Kids, Care Bears, in Inspector Gadget, eighty-two films, uh, Jace and the Wheeled Warriors. Oh my god! The '90s X-Men cartoon. He was the voice of Sabretooth. <gasps> yeah, yes, he was. Like he was everywhere. This guy worked like a motherfucker. Oh my Another, god. A, a very accomplished voice actor. He right. was also. Oh my god, he's so many things that I've seen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He was an eerie in the end of that horrible show I referenced like yes. last episode. <laughs> I'm telling you, the guy worked. My favorite factoid, he voiced Boba Fett in the Star Wars holiday special. Oh my God, for that alone. <laughs> oh, my God. oh my God. He was he was a voice actor for the entire series run of the busy world of Richard Scarry. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> wow. That's, that's that's a disparity. That so, I don't think I'll ever be able to I, resolve I just in my can't. Own head. So I don't. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I just like. I kind of want to. There's a story out there <gasps> of how they got. He was in the guy. Never Ending Story TV show. Yes. Oh I'm my god. You, he was in everything. everything. If there was a part for Show him me. to be a voice actor, he was fucking. His in it. picture is like from the yeah, like the 50s. Yeah. Oh him. Okay. So. Shall we plot? Yes, yeah, let's get the plot. Yeah, this like uh, the synopsis is actually really stupidly long. I don't know how um, if it I can just break it. We'll just talk. yeah. I've got yeah. to I've got to split into three acts, but we don't have to get that. Yeah, way. break it where you think it's and so yeah, much of the the first like half hour of the movie is literally just his routine, exactly. which I and spending time with his character, which is the best part of the movie. I, yeah, I think I like the whole movie. I even like the ending, which I'm getting the impression you guys aren't as big a fan of. I'm less a fan of it. Uh, but we'll talk about why we yeah. get there. Yeah. But I, I will say, as just we're getting into his routine, I adore just the way he has found just to live his life. Yeah. Because especially rewatching this film, you spend so much time dealing with the fact that if he really is Kane, he has been around for so long yeah. just to be able to find something to keep him getting up every day. Right. So, plot me. yes, plot. <laughs> It's okay, Bob. The yeah. plot will come when it comes. Yeah. Don't rush the it plot. It's done. It, it'll take a shower with you. <laughs> Starring Meryl Streep as the shower. <laughs> she'll just she'll just throw water <laughs> and make noise. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll still be the best shower of your life, Bob. You'll give it an Academy Award. Oh my God! When the guy used Meryl Streep's arm as a douche. <laughs> I was I was moved. Meryl's fisting you to be like, clean out, clean out. Okay, okay. so plot? For real this time. Bob broke. Wow. <laughs> Bob.exe has stopped working. Reboot, Bob, reboot. Just fucking read the plot, I'll figure it out. Shoot and reboot, Bob. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Baby winter. 
<laughs> Ivy Winters. Oh my God. Meryl Streep is RuPaul <laughs> through all stop, ten stop, seasons. Stop! <laughs> oh my God, go! Please read the blood. Cameroon! <laughs> oh, fuck you, baby. I, I you. love her. I don't. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, the plot. The movie opens on Jack, a solitary ascetic living in an unnamed North American city. It was shot in Toronto. Uh, as he wakes up from a fugue dream of screaming and the sounds of war to his landlady knocking on the door wanting the rent. Wow, I really do empathize with that character, don't I? <laughs> Pay me the rent and we won't have this problem. <laughs> so, uh, he gets the money from a trunk containing a shitload of cash, uh, pays her, and abruptly terminates the conversation by closing the door in her face. Might as well get used to that. It's going to keep happening. Uh, we see him walking the city to the local church where he plays bingo uh, and to the hospital where he purchases blood from an intern named Jeremy. His errands completed, Jack returns home to sleep further but is interrupted first by a young girl banging on the door who flees before he can even get around to closing the door in her face and then by a pair of low-rent mooks named Short and Steve who are looking for Jeremy. And apparently, like, they couldn't find Jeremy but they could find Jack and his apartment, I guess. Right. I don't know. He does get around to closing the door in their faces. Then they break in and shoot him. Uh, unfazed and slightly annoyed, he low-key beats the shit out of them, dumping them back outside. Uh, Jack later visits the local diner, where he brick walls regular waitress Kara, who is totally into him for some reason that I do not understand. Because um, she's a caring person and she can sense that he's lonely. Okay. Oh, that's the waitress? Yeah. 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 I love her character. She's, a, she's actually really cool. She's I love her I like character. Her. I do yeah. enjoy her. Uh, his routine is further interrupted by a phone call from his way estranged ex, Jillian, who asks him to pick up their daughter, Andrea, who it turns out was actually the girl at the door. He locates her at the home of a barfly named Tim uh, and picks her up. As they get dinner at the diner, Jack reveals that he does not eat meat and reluctantly agrees to let Andrea stay with him for a couple of days. I promise I'm getting to the end of this. Okay. While they're bonding awkwardly, he sees visions of an old man with a goatee wearing a pork pie hat and is surprised to learn that Andrea can also see him. Um, Jack also manages to rescue Jeremy, who has been kidnapped and beaten by the low-rent mooks from earlier. I mean, I don't know why he's surprised. She's got, like, pretty much perfect DNA right there. None of that genetic drift. Uh, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. But literally, uh, so we, we so learned quite a lot. You mean that. she's closer to being an incest child? <clears throat> yes, exactly. Because, mm. you know, just from a genetic standpoint, Cain and his children would have much closer incest issues than... Anyone alive nowadays. True. There is. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They only. However, if he is like the third person ever on the planet, he is like the DNA base. Yeah, but no, he is a combination of the DNA base with the DNA base to create a more incestuously infected DNA base. Yeah. Mm. But there was nothing wrong with that because they're like one step away from God. There's no genetic, nothing wrong to worry about incest with. Are, are we are we seriously having a moment where you are arguing from the standpoint that God created perfection in his their DNA, and I'm arguing that they would be more incestuous? <laughs> we actually are, and that makes it I'll funny. Just, I'll just say that, like, <laughs> like trying to apply any sort of trying to apply any sort of scientific rigor to a biblical story remember. is kind of ridiculous. So, yeah, you might as well be like suggesting that 
he actually got banged up the butt and got pregnant and carried her to term and then shat her out. Well, to be fair. Which, by the way, is a thing. You can read about oh it on God. the internet. Oh, yeah. You're so obsessed. We don't talk about it. In Empire. a negative way. The only time we talk about it. I get paid to read this stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not obsessed. You, you know, I am employed. But you know what we don't get paid for? Listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Are we no, stopping here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yes, yes, there's we're plenty talking. to talk about in that yeah, whole stretch. So I mean, that's literally I think that's maybe the first half hour of the yeah, movie. There's, yeah, there's I mean, there's a lot to cover here. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so beyond the, the genetics of Cain and Abel, which by the way, Cain had a wife that was not born from Eve, so he would have been the beginning. His children would have had more better Genetic DNA drift. than he yes, did. They would. Um, so I, Henry Rollins is perfect in this part of the movie, oh, in this God, part. Yes. He yeah. is absolutely, this is the height of, I don't give two shits. I'm literally just existing to exist and make sure the next day is existable. Yep. I almost feel like the direction for almost any scene that he's interacting with anybody is, I want you to pretend that they're trying to talk to you while you're reading. That's yeah, probably <laughs> exactly what was in his head because he's yeah. the producer, right? <laughs> well, but producers don't write. True. Yeah, and they also don't direct. They don't. Well, not they, well. They can. They, they can. They, but they can backseat direct. I don't think he did either in this instance. Yeah. I don't think he did either. I, no, I think. He, I mean, he's he's relatively new to the acting gig. Uh, um, no, I no. say relatively he's, new as in he's had relatively uh, he's had cameos mostly cameos yeah. mostly. So he's not he's mm-hmm. not had to deal with. You know the intensity of acting that he's having to deal with here. I, I, I don't think your argument has legs. Probably not. Um, so I don't think this is about whether you play a bit part or you play the lead. Your acting ability is not different. It's the amount of effort you have to do to maintain. True. And in a yeah. film, you can cut. So film acting is a different quality, and it requires people to be good at cameo acting to burst and then stop. Yeah. Yeah. And cut for yeah, lunch. Okay. Go to the craft service table. And to a certain degree, and most of most of Henry's uh, roles have been very uh, cut from a very similar. Yeah, cloth. no one has ever expected Henry Rollins to give us um, Macbeth. Yeah. Henry Rollins, for example, could not play the shower nozzle. <laughs> not the same way that Meryl Streep can. No, although it would be great. It would be actually God he could in, in the right movie. It would be great because like you you'd step into the shower and be like. Is that what soap you're going to use? Really? Is no. that all you're going to do? Guys, you're missing the point. Henry I'm going to reach up your ass and pull out the poop! And there's Man. a baby in here! What the fuck? Obsession. <laughs> right now, Andy is wearing Obsession by Calvin Klein. Um, <laughs> Played no, by Meryl Streep. Obviously, in the Meryl Streep version of where she's Bob Shower, Henry Rollins is the angry garbage disposal that doesn't quite work. <laughs> It has a lot of opinions about the food that you eat. It's never really worked. You don't know why the fuck you still have it, but you're like, damn it, I'm going to still put these eggshells down here. And it's like, he's just like, fuck, man, cholesterol. <laughs> um, so but in this movie, Henry is, is great with his just walking through his day. You know, he goes to bingo. He goes to the same diner. He gets... Yeah. Something random it, off the menu. Because it's a it, level beyond deadpan snarker because he doesn't even care about snark. And right. <laughs> what what I love is there's no irony in the performance whatsoever. Right. Yeah, what I love is I feel like he has the menu in his mind as like a grid pattern. And right. he just like goes through the grid. He's the guy that memorizes where everything is in the grocery store, so he can just like make his trip. 
Okay, I've actually heard him speak about exactly that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I don't know that he's necessarily, <laughs> not necessarily memorizing the grocery store, but I have actually heard him describe his errands as deploy body into store, get cans of chili, and check out, <laughs> get back to my apartment so that I can like bid on shit on eBay. Like he, this really is, let's just say, this is not that dissimilar, minus the bingo, not that dissimilar from descriptions that I have heard him give of Why what his life is bingo? like. I just can't imagine. I don't. I don't imagine Henry Rollins rocking out Bingo. Henry Rollins. Would I mean, Bingo is really fun. <laughs> One of my favorite things about this movie is Robert. Robert. The dude. Goatee the guy. goatee. Oh, was it his name? Robert something. His, his was name F. was Don Franks. <laughs> nope, not Robert at all. Cool. Nope. I got the F right. That's all I got. So he, his whole thing. What is? What is your take on who that is? I mean, I'm pretty. I think it's clear, but also I could it's be a, wrong. It's a little frustrating. The the Wikipedia actually, the, whoever wrote the Wikipedia article just like didn't know either. They're like, well, he's either like God or Satan or just death. And I'm like, huh, that's not very like. That's not come helpful on. at all. No, uh, and it's also honestly, he is as far as I'm concerned, he is. I've got to assume he's Satan. Or is or meant so to be, you, you meant to be a Satan. personification of simply because uh, when there's a conversation that takes place at the end, uh, Jack actually by this point he's like completely off the fucking handle and he's talking about something about God. Yeah, fuck it, God doesn't exist, you know. And and the way that he appears to the guy, the mobster Alex, at the end, um, I don't think he's appearing in a sort of God type fashion. In the theology of this movie, it makes a lot more sense for him to be. So you, either 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 Lucifer or the Angel of Death, but I don't think he's okay. the Angel of Death. So <clears throat> I so you you're on the hand of of he's being Satan to to what degree that I'm that I find the mythology of the movie terribly interesting. Yeah, I think he's in that vibe. Where where okay. are you putting him? Wow. Okay. So very clearly to me, from the very first time I saw this to every we watch, he is hundred percent God. Hmm. He is hundred percent the God who would damn Cain in this way. Hmm. So in Old the Testament yeah, in the mythology of this world, he is the god who would make Cain have an eternal bloodlust, which is the mar- you know it's supposed to be yeah. his you know retribution against anyone who crosses him. It's a it's a very world of darkness kind of thing. It is and, Cain was the first and I, vampire. And I and this in this mythology, I would almost venture to say, and I'm sure if they um, do what I love and. Could, continuity the shit out of it they're gonna not do this right. but i would almost say in this world there is no difference between god and the devil i there is just one yeah. omnipotent being who controls things yeah. and in this in in the vision the way that uh jack is his name jack is his name okay when he's the way, not Kane. yeah the way that jack views this being is as this always sinister always watchful person because i think I feel like all he had to do is own up to his own mistakes and he could stop walking. Right. Well, there's also, there is a very definite misotheism about Jack. Yeah, there's... He hates God for what he's been putting. And and I think it's one of those moments, it's very similar to um, actually Constantine. One of the few things Constantine did well is Tilda Swinton has a whole conversation near the end about the fact that if you actually know that God exists it's really hard to have faith. Yeah. yeah. And you can't, and, and Constantine constantly talks about this in the movie, and it's not a great movie, so I'm not yeah. saying we need to talk I about it. Like it. I like it for what it is, but yeah. for what it could have been, it's, yeah, it it's been bad. Yeah, it could have been so much better. Um, but that's my favorite thing from that movie, is they talk a lot about 
it's really hard to be religiously faithful when you have knowledge. Right. Because God wants you to just trust, and when you know, you're really not trusting anymore. I think it's kind of, um, it's interesting that you bring up Constantine, because this this has a very, when it gets into these those elements, it, it's a very comic book theology kind yeah, of. It is. Yeah, it <clears throat> is. Kind of vibe, which is actually something that it, it's not that I dislike it. It just it kind of goes right through me. Yeah, yeah. It's not something that it really. And I think part gets of that my is, attention. is we more than you would think as a passerby. We experience this movie truly through Jack's experience. Yeah, very much so. We don't necessarily because I would almost argue that when his daughter sees the same being, she's not literally seeing the same thing that he sees. Right. That her experience is going to be different. And if we, you know, if we got a movie that I honestly can't say I want, as you know, as much as I love sequels, I don't think this movie needs more story. No. Because I just I to me, any more is going to trip up and fuck it up. I don't think there's enough here. The experience. Not even that. I just think they're gonna they're gonna say something like this distinctly was able or something. They're going to give it some like spin that I'm going to be like, that cheapens everything for yeah. me. If it's just like a revenge story based on the Bible, I don't care as much. Right. For my money, the, the theology of it is so much less important than, it is. than the character. Because <clears throat> what's basically going, going on is he has this bloodlust and this, he lives on blood and like human flesh and shit. That's right. his, that's his, he needs that to survive. Well, it's actually, and here's another great uh, anime reference for you. It's very much like the Titans in Attack on Titan. Right. Where they don't literally substantiate yeah. on these things. They just hunger for them constantly. Right. And so what he's doing, um, it's like watching somebody who is in AA mm-hmm. or, or, or something like that and struggling. Because that's what his whole thing is. That's why, like, he's... That's basically how I read it. That's exactly, was yeah. A, was, a, was an addict. And he's he is, he's sort of battling this addiction. And actually, even the scene, and it's 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 later in the movie, but whatever, we're kind of all over the place this week. Um, the scene where he licks the blood up off the floor, it actually reminds me very much of uh, a similar scene in Kronos, which is the same deal. Yeah. Where um, he's licking, uh, licking blood off the floor also, and that's just that it's almost... It's a very exaggerated version, but it's like, have you ever seen somebody who is like a pack a day smoker pick up a discarded cigarette butt from the ground and light it back up? Yes. Yep. It's that. Yeah. No, and it I mean, I, I wasn't I wasn't trying to jump too far. I was mostly just yeah. I wanted to talk about him because I think once we discuss that character, yeah, it's kinda like it's over. Because the, the character for me is the movie. It really yeah. is. That's well, why I meant the the man, the the oh, bearded oh, goatee man. Sorry, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, Jack is gonna be the conversation for everything. Sure. And but yeah, like the, the goatee guy doesn't change. He has that no. moment at the very end, which we can talk about then, but yeah. like he's just always going to be yeah. ever present and kind of scowling. And he's just yeah. sort of like this reminder of, oh, you know what you did. Yeah. yeah that's right. And I it it really I feel like the way I read that character as God, I read it as he is only, he is a true reflection of Jack. And Jack is never going to admit he made a mistake. He's mm-hmm. never going to own up to what he did that started all of this. Right. And mm-hmm. he's just going to continue to rage against the machine, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> good good reference. He's just Not going a to musical continue references. to... Yeah, he's going to continue to just fight it because yeah. to him... He thinks his lot was unfair. And even at the end, we can talk about it more. His whole monologue that ends the film 
which I actually find very interesting the more I've listened to it. Yeah. Um, is all about that. It's yeah. all about, it really wasn't my fault. It was your fault. And I think that's why he's stuck. Yeah. So that's what I get out of that character as, and so that's why it's funny to me that this to me was so clearly God. So to hear both of you be like, no, I think it was more the devil, which I can see. I I, I could agree with that because it, he seems like a torturous figure. Well, to what, yeah, to what degree that it that that the distinction matters to me, and I agree with you. I think as far as the the, the comic book theology of this movie, it is they're pretty much the same. Being. Yeah, but uh, that it's that the purpose that the guy serves is more punitive. Yeah, it's um, or it is that kind of remonstrative well, sort it, of. That yeah. is also, though, a very Old Testament God. Yeah. I am a vengeful, wrathful God. Yeah, that, I am that, very ever-present. And, and, and again, I had never thought about it, but I hadn't heard what you had to say yet. Well, so and like, also, just from the addiction metaphor, he disappears from the film, basically, for a, a huge chunk, while um, Jack is... Um, Drinking blood again, and mm-hmm. uh, no, he regrets. really doesn't. Well, he dis- he. There's a moment where he looks at him. Jack does something, and he gives a reproachful look, and actually turns away and disappears for a little while. And then it's not until Jack kind of gets his wits about him again and starts planning things that he kind of shows back up. He's not as prevalent in the middle section. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind mm-hmm. of like the man with the goatee yeah. is is there to remind Jack to keep himself. Yeah. On on the straight and narrow, so he's, he's yeah. his continual one day chip. Yeah. yeah. So it's and so the moment he kind of fucks his stuff up, the guy's kind of like, I don't need to watch this again. Right. More yeah. than anything, um, and and he's almost disappointed over it. Yeah, you can tell. That's um, it's like he's his sponsor. I'm, <laughs> I'm holding back about forty more minutes worth of theological conversation that I'm having <laughs> in my head because I really want to have it, yeah. but I understand where we're going. So the daughter, yeah, yeah, love her. She she's is um, a really, she's, she's interesting to watch and she's very charismatic. And she, yeah, she is, I want to give her props just as an actress. Yeah. She plays off that completely dead yeah. of Jack with such just joy. Yeah, she's, like, yeah. she's she vibrant. Did, she is, and it's, him, yeah. it is one of the most difficult things to do in the world to have a dead canvas and to play off of it. Right. Yeah. So and, that she just does so well. What's, it, what's fun about the two of them together um, is that on, in almost every scene that they have together, like when she, by the time she gets to the end of the scene, like you just see Jack just kind of sag. Like he's exhausted by it. Yes. Yeah. It's like a whole extra level of like, not only does he have to give a shit that someone's dealing with him, but he has to like yeah. invest yeah. because it's kind of his daughter a little bit, but exactly. he doesn't know how to deal he with that. He has no idea how, yeah. no idea how to relate to this, this thing that is now, yeah. that is, that is basically made of lunch and you're trying not to, right. you know, or yeah. it, to, to, to take the addiction metaphor, she's like, she's like six foot tall and made out of like hookers and cocaine. It's like her name <laughs> is Molly already. Exactly. <laughs> and, and now she wants to live with him for a yeah. couple of days. So like, and when he's alone by himself in his apartment is the only time in the early part of the movie when he almost sort of relaxes a little bit. Yeah. And so when you see him realize that he's never going to be able to let his guard down the whole time that she's there, you just see this look on his face. It's like uh, the kid in the Transfiguration when when the girl's showing yes. the cat videos. Yep, yeah. Like he's just like dying inside. Like God damn. No, yeah. It's when, yeah. It is exactly that. It's kind of like this is not gonna go. <laughs> and I, I just this is not how I need my life to be. And yeah. I love the fact that he 
for some reason, puts in just enough effort to keep her on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, wow, I want, it makes you ask the question that doesn't, again, need to be answered, but is this the very first time he's ever procreated? I mean, Cain actually had children. Gotta say, probably At the not. time. Right. Yeah. But, but after I, the curse, I'm I, sure he's had other children. I get the impression that maybe he hasn't because he's never, because of cell phones not being in existence and having no need to tie himself to anywhere, that even if he had children in the past, They'd never. never. He never would have seen them. them. Yeah. And now with the fact that you can find people so easily, he's kind of like, And what's interesting is, and so, but he obviously was (laughs) still in touch with his ex because she's able to call him. I don't know. I don't feel like he was. The way he responded to that call. Well, he was not happy. Directly, though. He was not happy to have been found, but she had his number. I guess. I just, so, I just imagine she like private investigated her way to that number. I guess, and I feel like at the end of that call, the cell phone was dead to him. I like, think that's a, that's a, I think <laughs> that's a movie convenience was. thing. It is, bit. yeah. It's like I'm never someone had to read the again. script, so we might as well have a cell phone moment, yeah. right? Okay. So let me, uh, let me, let me jump into Act Two. Act Two. Um, out for vengeance, the mooks that he beat up, um, Short and Steve, hire a guy to poison Jack and chuck him off the pier. It doesn't go so great. Uh, Jack loses... <laughs> Funny story. Didn't work out very well. Yeah. Funny um, story. Jack loses his temper a bit and tears out Short's throat with his bare hands and eats it. Um, he had it coming. Yeah. I'm not doing anything Fosse right now, but I have to think about it. Fosse, Fosse, Fosse. <laughs> Martha Graham, Martha Graham. <laughs> this um, is not the descent. Yeah. Please move forward. <laughs> and Twyla, Twyla. So, afraid that he's going to do the same thing to Andrea, Jack throws her out of the apartment. It's actually really kind of a rough scene to watch. Yeah. Shortly afterwards, Jack kills and eats the obnoxious neighbor across the hall. Yeah, to kind of protect the, the uh, old woman. Yeah. Uh, a little bit. I'm not sure whether he's protecting the landlady or if he's just really annoyed by him. And he's, by this point, that hunger has sort of been reawakened. And he's like... Well, this guy is kind of an asshole. He probably deserves it. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I suggest that is because immediately after that, he goes out onto the streets and tries to pick fights with various people. And fails who keep miserably. Like, he drops money on the sidewalk, figuring that like if the guy picks it up, he's like, oh, well, then he's a thief and I can eat him. And the guy like chases him down and hands it back. And it's like super nice. And you can actually see him just be like, fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he, so he tries this a couple times and it never works. And eventually he runs across uh, three young men, one of whom has a skateboard and therefore actually does have it coming, right. who totally <laughs> take the bait so he can get his nom nom grom on. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> returning home from dinner, he, Jack receives a phone call from the mobsters who inform him that they have killed Jillian and kidnapped Andrea and will kill her too if he doesn't meet them at the docks at midnight. I don't understand why this plot happens, but it does. They just needed a reason for... For the daughter to continue to exist. Yeah. Um, So now thoroughly off the fucking wagon, Jack goes to the diner and orders a steak rare. He bonds with waitress Kara after running off her psycho ex-boyfriend, Tim. Yes, the same Tim. Oh, God, such a good... Yeah, he's a cute dude, too. Not terrible. No, yeah. I, no, I he's totally. A cute dude. I, uh, he doesn't. He doesn't have the resting serial killer face that uh, other attractive people do in this movie. But you know, he ain't bad. Um, so he walks Kara home. They bond. They have a really hilarious conversation during which he lists like every job he can remember having had. It goes for like five minutes. It does. Yeah. It is such a great like. <laughs> I, I love it because she's like, whoa, okay. 
Lots. And he's just like, he's Lots. just sort of like blandly running down this list. Like he's it's kind of running down it in order. And he's not even showing off. He's just like, yeah, these are just things that I did. Yeah, he's like, I, this? I'm not. Who's this? I was what I was. It just happened. Yeah. Uh, Jack then goes to a club where he used to work as a bouncer to talk to the now owner, Alex, uh, who also is connected to the mob in some fairly nebulous way. He asks for information about Andrea's kidnapping, but Alex denies all knowledge. Uh. <clears throat> yeah, Dang. of course. Yeah, <laughs> and so that's about where I cut it. As far as that's good. Yeah, yeah. The, again, it's a lot. Yeah, a lot happens in this section. Yeah, I love that he has to go and rescue his daughter, right, from yeah. the bad dude. Hmm. The bad and, dudes who have kidnapped the president. Yep. Yeah, those just, bad dudes. Yeah, the bad dudes, and, and, and he, he just he must find out if he is a bad enough dude to save them. <laughs> and he just kind of ha- he's just like okay I've expended enough on you we're done yeah. you can go on yeah bye bye I have I have met my famili- uh, fatherly responsibilities exactly. and we have completed our transaction thank you so much yeah, we have. You know? <laughs> no, yeah, this doesn't... contract is complete exactly <laughs> he's like insurance policy stamped have a good life <laughs> well because he doesn't actually he hasn't actually haven't gotten to the part where he actually rescues her yet no, but he, yeah. the guy, he saves her from, like, the douche that she was, like, going to stay and have sex with. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. that guy. That's early on. Yeah, <clears throat> that's that's the point when he's just like, and you're leaving now. Like, oh, yeah. That yeah. was when he kicks her out, and that's oh, yeah, when, yeah. that is when the, they kidnap her, is yeah. when he's kicked her out. Right, sure. So she's just all like, oh, my God, you're so boring. But again, but again, the reason why he kicks her out is because at that point, he is off the wagon. He's eaten people again, and she is, like... It's if if she had remained there, he probably would have just like chowed down on his kid. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't about yeah, it wasn't so much about her as much as like. But I think for him, yeah. he was like, okay, woo, this is what's happening. Yeah. You've kind of caused this. I'm sure he's a very cause and effect kind of man. Very yeah. Of like, you did this to me, yeah. whether or not you did it on purpose, you still did it, and we need to get you out. Yeah. Yep. So and I and yeah. so this girl, this waitress. Yeah. So this reminds me so much of As Good As It Gets. <laughs> Not because that is a similarly good movie, because I can't say I like that movie, but it was one of my mom's favorite movies when it came out in the 90s, and I just remember her watching it over and over again, and my having seen all of it, but never in one sitting. Oh, God. Oh God. <clears throat> um, but there is a whole thing about the fact that Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. Nicholas is the golfer. Yes. yes. Jack Nicholson is kind of autistic and a little bit crazy, and no one really likes him, and he kind of doesn't like people, but he loves this one waitress, mm-hmm. and she's the only one who can take his order because she knows how to do it right. And I'm sure neither of you have remember the movie, even if you've seen it. I have not seen it, but actually, <clears throat> I, I kind of know the character type. I've seen him, that yeah. character in a few other movies. And basically, there's a whole subplot in the movie that her kid has, like, some rare cancer. Yeah. And because she has to take care of the kid, she can't work at the diner. And so he basically pays to have her kid taken care of by professionals and like see the best doctors because he's a writer and he has just endless right. money. Okay. Um, and so that's the whole, that's the big part of the film is like, he basically pays out hundreds of thousands of dollars to be like, I need you to still be my waitress. Almost, almost yeah. kind of reminds me of, uh, the John Cusack version of Brian Wilson in love and mercy. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Very much. There is that kind of, that kind of relationship. And, and the that. rest of the movie ends up being like kind of a love story with this guy who lived next door to him who was gay, but then has sex with, 
um, Helen Hunt for real this time. Hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, and so the movie isn't great, but the point is just yeah. this slavish devotion. Like he needs yeah. his good waitress. He doesn't really like other people there, but she's kind of. Yeah. I think the important thing, the important distinction that happens in this movie is I think if you look at Jack, Jack has three settings for people. Fuck no. And all right, you can talk. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like the landlady is all right. You're fine. Actually, I think the landlady is. I don't think so. I think I think he closes the door because he knows that she's. I think he closes the door because he has been around people long enough to understand that it really doesn't matter that she's talking to him. She just wants to talk. So he's like, this isn't going to affect your life. Fair enough. You know, but I think the fact that he, he he kills and eats the next door dude who is being shitty to her, yeah. to me, belays that he has a little bit of care for her, whereas, you know, he could have eaten anyone. Right. You know, oh, of course, sorry. the moment mattered, but also yeah. I think he's he's old enough, he could have held his balls for a little bit longer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that quite that way. Um, That's really... Um, <laughs> And the balls are played by Meryl Streep. They are. <laughs> the hand holding them is played by Henry Rollins. <laughs> and, um, but I love her. And the shaft is, sorry. Is who? Is it Kevin Spacey? No. No. No, the shaft Come would on. be you remember, you remember? Goldie Hawn. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. At least Bruce Willis. I would have accepted. No, actually the I shaft is ex- totally curmudgeon Harrison Ford. I actually, I would have accepted Isaac Hayes. <laughs> Can the shaft be played by Usher? Like but pretending I to, to act? Maybe in the reboot. Movie oh, maybe it, the, I think this movie is written by um, Sapphire. The person who wrote Precious. <laughs> <laughs> but now I need Meryl Streep and, and okay. Tony Han in a movie again together. I need it, to it's called like Balls by Sapphire. <laughs> That sounds like Balls. a. That sounds like a fragrance. <laughs> so be like a be, okay. It's an overly musky fragrance that well, you yeah. only wear to the club. No, that's actually that's actually like if Henry Rollins was to come out with like a signature fragrance, it would be called Balls, and there would be like I don't know, it would the be commercial. called Balls by Sapphire. <laughs> like the commercial would be so great. Balls based on the novel written by Sapphire. Yeah, <laughs> but I be, it literally would just be like Henry Rollins standing there in shorts. He'd be like. Balls! You want to smell good. That is all. <laughs> <laughs> they pointed the camera. Yeah. So, I love their little relationship in I this. Just looking to shout that. He's, Balls! It's like Mandem. Right. <laughs> oh God. Oh Mandem. Damn, that needed to become a much better joke than uh, a more running joke than it was. Yeah, we all forgot about it a little bit. Yeah. Um. So I. I didn't. Every man. <laughs> All the world. Okay, so I just enjoy that they have this cute little romance, and he's putting out just the slightest bit of effort, which is almost too much for her already. She's like, "Whoa, stop talking! That's so many words. (laughs) I wasn't. I really wasn't prepared for that many words. All right." (laughs) And I I enjoy the way he handles, you know, ex boyfriend Tim. Yeah, where he's just like, "I'll break you." Like you're in my way, and I'll break you. And he's actually, and he's completely on. He's completely unconcerned with, uh, like, he doesn't give a shit about the car because Tim takes her car. Yeah, he doesn't care about any of this. He just wants Tim to go the fuck away. Yeah, he's like, that's all he cares about. You're in my way. Yeah, I'm break you. 
Like, yeah. I don't care how you, it's, it's just like his interactions with people. Yeah. He's just like, the quickest solution, whatever yes. gets you out. <laughs> really yeah. is. I can kill you, I can uh, eat you, I, I can break you. I don't care how you leave, yeah. but you're gonna leave. Yeah. And what's interesting is, in this part of the movie, because, like, literally, the movie takes, like, 15 minutes for this walk home and, and this, this conversation little, this to little have. little love story moment. Um, it takes such a big break specifically for this, and it's one of the best scenes in the movie. Because it, 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 it gives you, <laughs> I think, the best just image of what of what life could be yeah. if he really could open up to people again. Mm-hmm. Well, because I think what's what's happening is at this point he and is, he could eat her out. He is hey, <laughs> he is thoroughly off the wagon. Well, I mean, he's already <clears> on <throat> his Red Wings. But I'm Chuck. So, off he's, the wagon. so he's he is he's already kind of like let go of that control, and he's a little more loose. Like his, his interactions with people now. So he's kind of drunk <clears> during this whole. Well, he's he's actually more engaging. He, is, he yes. engages with people more. He engages. Uh, he actually gets snarky a little bit. He, he does. Yeah. He kind of. Yeah. Um, he doesn't feel the need to end the conversation as much as he's allowing it to right. blossom. Right. So like he's he's kind of uh, in a weird way relaxing a little bit. And so this is kind of the upside of that is that he gets to connect with this this woman. Mm-hmm. The downside is he wants to like rip her shit apart and fucking eat her. But like I, that's, don't, I don't know if he wants to eat her as much as he's always liked her and now he's finally able to show what it looks like when he's like someone. Yeah, yeah. maybe a little a little column A, a little column B. I mean, it could be. He <laughs> might just want to like taste her. <laughs> My man. And um, no, I I just love, I love that little scene and I enjoy the parallel between this restaurant scene and the next restaurant scene. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good escalation. The movie actually is plotted very well in that it, we get like the easy restaurant Mm -hmm. scene. We get the restaurant scene with the daughter. That's kind of troublesome. We get the restaurant scene where he has to basically fend off the bad boyfriend, and then we finally get the fucking dire... There's a fucking massacre in the restaurant. It's coming up. No one else is as concerned. He's still the same person in all of this, but we watch his life. That's, I think, the best thing about this movie is he never really changes. We just watch life kind of escalate around him. Sort of. I I think he does change a little bit. Again, just in terms of that, that constant, like, tension and, and the, keeping it's, himself rigidly under control that fades weird, away. It, it does. does. It uh, does fade away, which of course brings more chaos around him. Right. Yeah. Because he is now more chaotic and, and watching that escalate is fun. Yeah. It's super fun. I, and I think this is actually the plot of this movie where we had the kind of the easy, you know, jive of the first one. We feel the tension because we're, we keep being reminded about the fact that his daughter was kidnapped and his daughter's going to be killed and he doesn't, really care no he really right. doesn't he does he's like eh, i fathered what more does she need from me like he yeah. he feels like right. he already accomplished if he, she was going to survive she'd do it on her own yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure that's definitely um a tract he's taken in life like people can fend for themselves or they can just die because like it doesn't head. matter so i think that's actually kind of um because he he really just like he knows he has to be at this place at this time where they're planning on killing his daughter and he just doesn't go. And he very clearly knows who has her. Yeah, and he, he I don't know that he knows exact. Oh, he knows. No, he has there's, to have, because he, he actually. There's that scene where you hear her. He hears, I think, I don't know if he hears her or, or if he knows he's hearing her, but he hears somebody behind that door. Because, yeah. yeah that, cause that, and that's and mirrored I, when he goes back to talk to Alex, the mobster again. Yeah, which I love it that he's an Alex. He's such an Alex. He's such a fucking <laughs> asshole. Alex is her ass. 
assholes. No like, shit. I, I mean, uh, bitch, oh, motherfucker. Yes. <laughs> in fiction. In fiction. <laughs> in reality, too. I talk to them sometimes. Um, so, um, no, but I, that scene, we get two scenes with Alex the mobster. Right. And the, that first one, when you watch Jack be flat out submissive for the very first time, Mm. He has been utterly in control of every situation, whether or not he gave in to someone else's demands or did what they wanted. It was always to serve his need of just ending this interaction. Right. Right. Whatever we need to end it. I really don't care. I I need to. And watching him like be just be walked all over and not try to end it, not try to get out of it. He listens to all of that disgusting banter. I don't think it was poorly written, but just the way that character is written, I would I would kill him. Like, yeah, if I was in a room with him, I would kill him. I'd be like, you, there is no way you've survived in a mafia-related industry. You would have been killed so many yeah, times by right. now. Like, Daddy obviously kept you alive and killed all of your enemies, and you were just riding that out for a little while longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think it's, um, the other thing that's interesting is I think he, I think he kind of changes his mind uh, he changes his mind about Andrea as a result of having had these interactions with Kara. I think Kara is kind of his conscience. Yeah, she. Um, I think she reminds him what people are good for. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, serving he, you oatmeal. Yeah, one one would think you you gotta have your oats. Well, yeah. if you're a lesbian. <laughs> um, but this goes into that whole immortality is a curse thing, because yeah. you're alive for so long, you watch so many people disappear around you. Mm-hmm. Because time doesn't have any meaning to you anymore. Yeah. You forget what people are for. And you're absolutely right. She shows him what people are for again. Mm-hmm. And your only friend is some Spanish guy who sounds like Sean Connery. Right. It's true. Um, no, and this actually, that remind what you said, Bob, reminds me of like the um, hidden mm-hmm. philosophy of True Blood. Yeah. Where there are conversations where they basically talk about, you know, being a vampire fucking sucks because... Mm-hmm you have to be able to continually make new relationships and deal with never-ending petty squabbles for all of eternity. And Gran comes back at the end of season four, and she says to them, like, you don't want to be that. No. You don't want to be stuck here and have to deal with this pettiness Mm -hmm. forever. Like, there is so much more to be had once you can let go of this this shit. And I think his way of letting go was just drowning into that I'm going to get up, I'm going to play bingo, I'm going to eat my food, I'm going to go watch this dumb show, I'm going to go to sleep. And that was almost his way of transcending out of the petty. Exactly. Yeah. And Kara, is that her name? Yeah. Kind of reminds him that, oh shit, there was more than just petty bullshit Mm -hmm. in the world. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, like, going back to the the True Blood thing, even Pam. Yeah. Pam, the ultimate deadpan snarker. Yeah. Still had her moment reminding us that everlasting life is not a gift. No, yeah, it's, it is just as much a burden. Yeah. I always felt like that was the weirdest thing when everybody's like, that was the weirdest thing about, um, about the theology of when I was a kid that everybody was trying to sell me on. Like, everything's going to be good. and Like, the world is going to end and Jesus is going to take you up to heaven and you're going to live forever. And I'm like... Among you people? <laughs> it wasn't even that no because even these were people that i really liked at the time yeah. i was you know my social circle at the mm-hmm. time i was a very you know nerdy kid but like living forever doesn't sound like fun oh but you wouldn't be bored no one is bored in heaven and i'm like 
Have you met me? <laughs> well, I, my best <laughs> analog with that is um, when you, if you really dig into Anne Rice uh, and the way she wrote Eternity, mm-hmm. and the way she writes Eternity is that you have two choices. You can let it make you go crazy, and so many of her vampires killed themselves out of yeah. just sheer, like, fuck this. Yeah. Or you can be Marius, and you can just dedicate yourself to a single purpose. It's that sort of uh, aestheticism again. Yeah. Which is, again, that's where Jack is at the start exactly. of the movie. And it's the same thing when, with Marius taking care of the those who must be kept. Right. Yes. It's that same, he stayed true because he always had to do this, whatever it was, and his bingo was painting. Right. That was how he yeah. passed the time in a moderately positive sense. So here's an interesting question. How long prior to the start of the film do you think that Jack has been on his sobriety kick of his bingo and oatmeal and sleeping all the time? I think as long as that girl is alive. You think So you think the last time he kind of went off the wagon was when he... Was uh, when it was just before his daughter was conceived. Yeah. I think yeah. I, my, <laughs> my retcon of the film is that the encounter that created this girl mm-hmm. and the animosity between the two participants mm-hmm. was kind of like the scale tipping on his insanity. Yeah. And so he moved to New York or Chicago or, or whatever. Toronto or wherever yeah. the fuck. Whatever place this is, he moved to this, you yeah. know, generic mm-hmm. large city mm-hmm. um, and just said, okay, I'm going to do something different now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he planned on being an aesthetic as much as just, I need to um, not do that. Oh, well, because I, I think it might actually come in cycles. I, yeah, I will also I assume. say um, yeah. he, they're still in the same city. Uh, he he and, and the ex are still in the same city. Um, but she had to travel like an hour to get there, so I don't think they are. Huh. There's a dropped line. Only yeah, the fifth the, or sixth time I've seen when, this movie. When the so. girl is on the phone, yeah, and Andrea is on the and phone. It, it, it yeah, takes time really to it get does. there. Yeah. So they're probably like if, fairly local. If he's in Chicago, she's in Cleveland. If he's in New York, she's yeah. in Boston. You know, they're not that far. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. I think he left that environment that he, in yeah. his life there. I will say there's no way on earth he's in Chicago. That doesn't look like Chicago. No, I'm... I, yeah. I feel matter. like his know personality yeah. fits Chicago really well, and he would do well in Chicago. It was funny, because like the first time I saw it, I just assumed it was L.A. Yeah, it, me too. It feels colder yeah. than L.A. ever It is much, me. much colder. It, yeah. is, it is quite deliberately cold. I think part of the reason why I assume it's L.A. is because I saw this not all that long after having seen Drive. Oh, um, yeah. Which this movie rolls kind of similar that mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling is this sort of ascetic kind of yeah. thing. He had very limited social interactions, um, different reasons and stuff. But they both are kind of about guys who get dragged out of their comfort zone, out of their mm-hmm. shell by a woman. Mm-hmm. And ultimately there's that big reveal scene when the woman realizes what this guy is. Yeah. And, which is, and, and the response is quite negative. Almost yeah. stuck. That happens a lot. In well, and yeah. it reminds me, a lot, it comes from the trope, sadly, you know, Brett Easton Ellis, the fucker that he is, hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> claim him, claim him or not, however, but he, less than zero, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, established this LA as being the unfeeling, aesthetic place to be yeah. and it's kind of survived yeah. almost for 30 years yeah la is kind of like that and it is i mean <laughs> so. it, it isn't just that because of him yeah. but i don't think if if you were I, for me instance in my adult life i've never been to la hmm. i went when i was in like second grade i don't yeah. count that it's not a real thing so in reality i have no understanding of la as an aesthetic nightmare of a place to live yeah i, I don't I, I didn't spend a lot of time in L.A. proper, so I can't say. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah, it's just one of those things. But that book, 
and then the terrible movie adaptation that went with it, um, really communicated that to a wider American audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, people always saw L.A. as this, you know, the place of dreams, and but, but also the place of plastic. First thing he did was turn on the fan. <laughs> it was, yeah. L.A. has always been um, the plastic surgeon's dream. Yeah. yeah. It, it, Detox um, is there, and she is still not quite 18 yet. She's not. Oof. She's not. So, um, I, so, yes. And I get, the aestheticism is perfect. Yeah. And I get L.A. The mm-hmm. only reason I, I knew it wasn't L.A. is just because when you look at that location, it's so yeah. obvious that it gets it's, cold there. It's gray, yeah. and he's got that jacket. And yeah. yeah. And yeah. the American Eagle jacket. <sighs> at least it wasn't a trench coat. Right. Like a katana. You know, it could have been somewhere in North. Okay, not a katana on it, but I would have been okay with him having a like like a mid calf trench coat. Right, and the reason the reason why the reason why I think it would have been terrible if it was a trench coat is because that that would have that could have been interpreted as cool or an attempt either on the meta or, or you don't in think the his film. leather jacket was an attempt on cool. It wasn't leather. No way was that leather. That wasn't leather. Wasn't it? Leather? Might have been suede. No, it was like suede corduroy or some shit. It's, it's, it does not look like a leather jacket. Um, I'm looking at pictures now. Yeah, and that's the thing because there's no. But no, he, um, he in, deliberately in, does not attempt style. Uh, oh yeah, it's more like a peacoaty. And yeah. in contrast to, to almost anybody else who would be in a role like that, because of, he's like, oh, I'm a loner. I've got to do this. Like there would be this very strong urge to make him a sort of film noir, Philip Marlowe, uh, whatever kind of character. The wise, the wise Kraken loner yeah. to make him either cool or attempted cool, and there is no attempt made to be cool because Jack does not care. Right. This is the best poster for the. It really I is. Like that. Yeah, the bingo thing. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen that one before. No, I think you know actually what his wardrobe reminds me of. Did either of you see Maggie? I no. never did see it, but yes, I know what you mean. Yes, yeah, uh, Schwarzenegger's wardrobe in that movie was supposed to be more of like a Midwest. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. kind of farm movie. Okay. Yeah. Almost the same wardrobe. It's very now that I look at the pictures. It's again, very utilitarian, yeah. working class yeah. gear. It and is yeah. very much comfortable. And you know why? Because yeah, comfortable and don't wear out. Yeah, comfortable doesn't wear out. Boring. So he doesn't have Unassu- to think about unassuming it. Unassuming and doesn't draw attention to him. Yeah. And he always seems to be wearing the same Although clothes throughout the entire movie. Draws my attention. I've been staring at that ass. Um, I mean, it's Henry Rollins. No. Uh, um, so is there anything else we want to hit before we jump on? So yeah. the, this uh, leads directly into the end kerfuffle. Yes. Right, yeah. It's just basically in the third act, which uh, starts with the ambush that we've already Okay, alluded to. so go for so it. So let yeah. me bust this out real fast. Um, Jack, the, Jack makes for the diner uh, where he walks into an ambush during which he is shot in the head. This doesn't seem to bother him that much. Uh, leads to a Love really it. marvelous bullet extraction scene in the car later. Yeah, it, it is very much a Wolverine. Oh, you shot me! Oh no! No, I but again, love it. Without, it, the I think style. it's so much yeah. better than that. It um, is. It is. I, yeah, uh, he kills all of the assailants, save Steve, um, and <laughs> convinces Kara to drive the three of them to his apartment by offering her a million dollars in cash. On the way, Kara discovers that Jack is actually Kane. Yes, that one doomed to walk the earth as an immortal cannibal vampire. Guy, Thingy. Uh, bingo kingpin. You know how it is. Oh my god, I want to be a bingo kingpin. That sounds amazing, right? Uh, so Jack visits Jeremy in the hospital and learns why the mobsters wanted him because he borrowed money to pay off his student loans but never repaid it, which is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard right? of. Yeah, in especially my life. for a med student, right? 
Um, Jack also learns of Andrea's whereabouts and mounts a rescue with relu- more reluctant help from Kara. Yeah, I love Kara in this whole segment. We'll talk about well, it. But I, she, just, yeah, she's, I enjoy her because she's so like, I don't want to be a part of this, but I should help you. Like, but no, fuck this. No, I don't want to do this. No. <laughs> and then there's a jump cut to her in the car driving him where he needs God, to go. Like, I know. Okay. And actually, um, her moment at the end is one of my favorite things. Really? Yeah, she is his conscience. Um, Alex reveals that he kidnapped Andrea as revenge for Jack killing Alex's father. This is all backstory. It almost doesn't matter. No, it is very um, much just he's still talking. Yeah. Why is he right. still talking? Yes. Oh, boy. Right. I was like, they were really sold on this plot for some reason. Um, as Jack is killing Alex slowly and painfully, he is distracted by the appearance of the man with a goatee. Jack angrily confronts him over his punishment for having murdered Abel and demands to know why the man won't let him die. Uh, yeah. Jack spares Alex in favor of helping Kara get Andrea to the hospital, explaining to Alex that one day he too will see the goateed man, which is again why I went for the Satan end of things. I like it. No, I go uh, for it. As they leave, the goateed man appears to Alex, greeting him in a sort of foley in otherworldly sounding doubled up voice. Yeah. Credits. I, mm. I'm just talking about it now. I love the fact that Kara like comes in and is like, Jack. Yeah. Why aren't you in the car yet? You know, like yeah. she's so just deadpan, like what the fuck? Yeah. And he's just, and he literally just snaps right out of it and goes, but but I but oh, I, yeah. I but I wanted to torture the asshole to death. It was just, mm. it was such a good little like he has yeah. that rage of a monologue, which I do still want to talk about. But like yeah. that moment of just like you just literally watch him go, eh, fine, and he just yeah. walks away. I'm good because, and it, you still get that point that after all of that, even after all of that raging. He's still the same. Yeah. He's, he's still, still he still has to just get up and live another day. Right. And now he's got someone he can talk to that knows his situation. Mm, maybe. I don't foresee a long term. I don't necessarily fee- foresee long term. It would be nice. I and my right. again, my headcanon for this movie which again if they ever made a sequel they're never mm-hmm. going to do would be that at the very end you know, he would probably stay there for maybe a couple more weeks, make sure that the daughter was going to live, mm-hmm. make sure that Kara was going to do whatever she wanted, and then he was just going to be gone. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the monologue. I love that monologue. I love that it's the very first time we've actually had real character development from Jack, mm. and it was the best character development because it shows, tells you everything. Yeah. That he really is the same person. That killed Abel. Oh, yeah. Like, he is the exact same person. He has had no growth. He bl- still blames God or this being or... Well, he still blames God, even if this being isn't God. Right, right. He still blames, who you know, whatever divine portent is out there that he was, he was just a farmer and he shouldn't... Abel shouldn't have had the better thing. And it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite biblical allegories because the truth is the Hebrew reads pretty clearly that... It was an arbitrary choice. Yep. Because they both were presenting the best. And while Judaism becomes a religion of animal sacrifice, Mm. it hadn't been up to this point. No one had ever sacrificed an animal before. Right. Right. So it was an arbitrary choice to be like, I pick Abel because someone has to win. And Mm -hmm. I feel like this is the moment where you finally get to see that he feels that arbitrary choice much more than anyone else in the entire movie. Oh, Oh, yeah. I I would, too. I mean. Wouldn't you? I'm I'm directly involved in that choice, and it is the ultimate arbitrary choice. Also, the original arbitrary choice. Yeah. So, well, other than kicking Lilith out, uh, besides choosing an apple to be the instrument of man's downfall, it was a pomegranate. Anyway, I know. (laughs) But um, no, fucking hipsters. I would. 
<laughs> I think that his anger towards whatever that that being is, whether it's God or Satan or whatever, is perfectly justified. No, and and yeah. I think that's why he'll never die. Probably. I think that's the lesson that he's very obviously not going to learn. Mm-hmm. Well, in this movie. He's not learning to let go. Yeah. <laughs> it, just not learning to just understand. Yeah. That's, I think, even when he tries to, you know, deal with people, I don't think he understands people. Oh, no, he doesn't. He has no conception for, like, really that thing that you're supposed to grow out of in your mid to late teens when you really start to... Mm-hmm mentally understand that other people exist the same way you exist Mm -hmm. and it's very hard to put into words so a lot of people never get there (sighs) but i don't think he ever did that i don't think he ever really has an understanding that there is another way of being other than him well you also have to understand which i totally did the first sign language sign for bitch you did you did well (laughs) when we're talking kane even just from strictly a biblical sense you've got okay so Arbitrary decision made against me. Mm-hmm. I kill my brother. Fine. Okay. I guess I deserve something for that. But cursed to live forever. It almost seems. I've talked about that Mormons think that's Bigfoot, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> I'm just making sure that I've you officially said this. That. You have mentioned that. <laughs> Mormons do believe an awful lot of stuff. But, <laughs> but it, it seems, and I would be angry because it seems that the punishment way outstrips the crime. Yeah. And, so. and. And I will say the you know the thought is that God plays both sides of the coin. Anyone who challenges Cain also is to suffer twice right. the punishment of Cain, which I think is being torn alive and eaten. Probably. That was a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that and that's the that's the best like punishment of Cain I can mm-hmm. imagine yeah. is like if you cross this motherfucker, he will tear you to pieces and eat you because he does not care. But he doesn't necessarily feel good about it. He, he doesn't. doesn't feel no, good about he it, likes like, to kill I will killers. Eat you. <laughs> yeah. So I, going backwards. Um, do you want to talk about the apartment scene? Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, watching her, watching Kara find his stuff. Yeah. She, watching that kind of first look of wonder going, ooh, what's he got in here? And then realizing who the fuck he is. She finds that photo from Wonder Woman. Yep. Yeah, pretty literally. Much, pretty yeah. much exactly. She, he hasn't aged a day. She's what like, Chris Pine, why are you in this movie? <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> But no, and, and watching that look of realization on her face was just kind of amazing. It was. It was. It was, it was one of the better, and also because I don't think it was dialogue, right. one of the better exposition scenes mm-hmm. um, for a movie that lacks a lot of just basic exposition. Yeah, yeah. That, like I said, this movie is so close to Mumblecore. So close. I think it's so close to being not Mumblecore, but being more like. Only God Forgives, or a movie that doesn't right. need dialogue. Right. It right. wants to tell you a visual story. And for being very dialogue-heavy plotted, mm-hmm. it tells a much better visual. And I think it's the same thing you were saying, like with Alex talking about this backstory. That yeah. backstory is so unnecessary. Completely. Who yeah. the fuck cares? Yeah. And, and think, obviously, Jack doesn't care. Yeah. And right. I think that's, I think you've kind of hit on where, why I start to check out on this movie um, about halfway through, simply because the backstory, the plot does take over so much, and it's all just dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just, I actually, I feel like Jack, like you are distracting me from the important things in this movie by talking about this fucking shit. Yeah. And so I kind of wish the writer, director would have had a little more confidence to, to maybe, yeah. not, to, to not maybe shoehorn in some of these elements. Mm-hmm. Because he felt that he had to make the movie roll a certain way. 
You know, one thing I did appreciate about this movie, just kind of as a whole, is the fact that you're getting a super emotional story without a whole lot of emotion on display. Oh, yeah, and you get a love story with no emotion. (laughs) I I think I agree with you. I think if the ending could have been rewritten, you could have written it that every time someone tried to give him exposition, that he literally just cut it off somehow. Yeah. Like, probably um, to go with the theme through violence, you know, like, yeah. she would have tried to talk to him about being Kane, and he just would have went back to the bathroom and tortured that guy some more. Yeah. Or he would have screamed because she would, he would have, like, broken his finger while she was talking because he really wasn't listening. Right. right. Or, you know, we could have really... I I like the the difference in the two Alex scenes, so I don't necessarily need to cut that down. Yeah. I think if we had less dialogue other places, that wouldn't have bothered you as much. Right. Um, so I would have probably kept that in the writing. Maybe truncated it a little, because Jack's, his, his monologue at the end is so much better than anything said before. It's oh, interesting, yeah. because actually I dislike the monologue at the end, you? precisely because of the amount of exposition and the number of references oh, to that, that he it. crammed into it. Eh, I get and that. I I get what he was doing, why he was doing that. Mm-hmm. And I get that he was trying to do it that way, but that's not how a person who is enraged like that. It just it feels like I'm really angry, but I'm I have a lot of exposition to get through, so I'm going to talk about this part and this thing and this thing and this thing. It didn't feel earned. It felt like a little kind yeah, of shoehorned in. Movie dialogue. I get it. I it yeah. was it was probably um I assume this was a hard movie to write. I can't say I disagree. So I assume yeah. that um, at this point in the writing, they had to do X the Machina and finish. Exactly. Like the machine had to end, which mm-hmm. is, I think, the best moment to do that was at the end when she snaps him out of it and we just end with him walking away. Yeah. In the car, because, let's go. We're yeah, done. I think that is the perfect way to end this movie because it gets us right back to point A, yeah. which any good story really should come back. Yep. In some way. We should yeah. circle back around, even if we're circling back to tell you that it's never going to be the same. Sure. And I think we're circling back in this instance to tell you that it, it's literally going to be exactly the same. Exactly. He really hasn't changed, and killing these people is going to still mean nothing to him. Right. And, and were they to ever make a sequel to this? And I actually kind of hope they never do. I, I would see it if they did, certainly. Um, but, but were they to do that, I think that's where they would have to show him growing. Because oh. I'm fairly sure that they're going to stick him with Kara to make sure that he has that conscience through the entirety of the second film, where he'll slip, but she'll bring him back. And that's exactly how a sequel if, to this would go, if which would make me ill. We don't have to grow Jack as a real person who has real experiences. We can grow Jack as a person who is still that motherfucker. Right. And doesn't need to have more emotion. Other people are just going to throw emotions at him that he has to be able to... Exactly. I mean, uh, he's immortal. He's not going anywhere. And he doesn't... I'm sure after this long, he doesn't... You know, can't teach an old dog new tricks. That sort of thing. Maybe the next movie could be called Maybe He Could Die. And then they'll have a third movie and it'll be called Dead. Nice. (laughs) I mean, I think... Is there anything more we want to say about that scene or anything, really? We're kind of a, a... encroaching the end. I think, I we, think we are. I think we are at yeah. the end. Okay. So, so what do we rate this? So, yes. so uh, just because this is, uh, it is a movie that I really enjoyed watching at the time, um, but it's not one that I really retained. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, it, so it was enjoyable. It's good to watch. It, it's not something that'll stick with you really for, for any length of time. Um, it may just pop up in your brain because there are some super funny moments in it. Um, it's middle of the road for me. So I'm going to give it three out of five 
stunted wings that he's tried to cut off many, many times. I don't know. <laughs> um, so this, I was so excited about this movie and I loved it when it came out and I was singing its praises, but I, before Andy mentioned it, that we were going to do it, I had forgotten completely about it. Yeah. I really had because I, I think as much as I love this, this isn't a fun movie to show people. Yeah. Because if they're not going to get it, the movie isn't going to make it easier for them. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of movies that as I loved I love to show people movies and watch them enjoy it. It's like it's a thing that I enjoy doing with people. Mm-hmm. And this is a movie like I I showed this movie to Paul almost when we first met. Like yeah. within like one of the first movies we watched was this and this has some slow moments and Paul does not do slow very well. But we watched this one and he was kind of like, eh, it was okay. It was good." You know, I He's never going to care. He literally forgot that we watched it because I told him, you've seen this. And I described it to him and he's still like, nope, no, I don't think I've ever seen that. And I'm like, no, we really watched it. Like, <laughs> I sat here, you sat here. It was on the stupid couch that I've always hated. We watched it on this TV. Like, I know, I know we watched this movie. Um, but I think it's great. And I still want to recommend it to people. I, I sadly feel like it's going to disappear. It's going to die over time because I don't think this is going to be a movie people are going to remember. Unlike its protagonist. Yeah, 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 exactly yeah. like his protagonist wishes. Yeah. And it's the third act. The yeah. third act needed to escalate in a different way than the second act, and they kind of muddled that escalation to just more people yeah. instead of more emotion or more right. violence. Because they turned it into the moving parts of stuff is happening. Yeah. yeah. And they confused more stuff for higher stakes. Yeah, right. and, I, and I can see that, and I feel like maybe it was just, you know, the, the reality of a movie like this it, you can only write yourself out of a box so far. Yeah. Um, so my rating, though, I give it um, four blood Tupperwares out of five. Um, because I think while this movie is in my knowledge, like, I'm sure for the next six months, I'm going to recommend it a lot more and talk about it more. Yep. And then I, I will probably forget it again. And just be like, if someone brings it up, I'll be like, oh, shit, yeah, I love that movie. But I know it's not going to take me anywhere. So it's yeah. hard for me to be like, like, if I watch Clueless, I can watch Share grow as a human being and learn to love Josh <laughs> a million times. Yeah. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I I think the first 30 minutes of this movie are my favorite thing ever and mm-hmm. then like the next 45 happen and this really good setup ultimately is sort of used in service of a very stock boilerplate story that we've seen a million times. Yeah, it's taken. Yeah. Um so I, I think it was just a little overwritten is the problem. There wasn't yeah. he should have stopped sooner. And maybe and and maybe just kind of edit it a little more carefully. Yeah, direction and acting is all great. It's but it's just it, this is one where the script brought it down. So I can only give it like a three out of five half filled out bingo cards. <laughs> but Aww. I I, I enjoy bingo cards. I enjoy what's there. I just I think wasted opportunities. Like I think that a lot more could have been done with this story if they had had a little less story in it. Yeah. It's like I feel like we have these bingo cards in front of us and no more balls up front. Balls! There's by Sapphire. There's Fuck. On that note, kids, if you need to write us, uh, email us, whatever, uh, lay eggs in our brain. <laughs> You're going to give them your address? Maybe somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. If you need to lay eggs in our brain or, you know, just kill us violently in a restaurant, um, email us at bob at candygoatandraiser.com. <laughs> Maybe. It depends on how this podcast goes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> drama. Um, like I said, email us at Bob at, uh, 
Bob at CandyCodedRazor.com. Uh, you can search for us on Facebook at Candy uh, using Candy Coated Razor Blades. Look for us on the web at CandyCodedRazor.com. And uh, see, see me on Twitter at CandyRazorBob. And you can follow me on Twitter at ZanmanHorrorFan. That's X-A-N-M-A-N HorrorFan. Or you can email me at PodcastHorror at gmail.com. And if you want to contact me for some reason, you can DM me or whatever on Facebook uh, at OhShutUpAndy, at OhShutUpAndy. Uh, while you're at it, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, and share. You are our listeners, and we love you unconditionally, even though we didn't know you existed until yesterday. <laughs> we, we promise not to leave you um, in a mobster's closet for more than like 48 hours. It's fine. We'll be back. I might. Uh, Bob won't be back, but Andy and I will half-heartedly kind of save the day somehow. Plot, 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 plot. Fuck it. God damn it. On that note, kids, bye. Bye. He never bide. <laughs> <It's true. laughs>